All right. Good morning, everybody. Hope everybody is doing wonderful. Anybody ever heard the Bible verse that says, the prayer of a righteous person avails much? Anybody ever heard that? Well, we just had one of the most righteous people I know, Miss Mitzi, prayed over this crowd this morning, and so uh, we thank her for that, and uh, know, God, uh, know God hears her prayers for sure. Well, uh, thank you guys for being here. Thank you, my friends from the Station Church being here as well. Uh, always great to see them. Uh, who was here last week or who uh, followed along last week online? We had a great visitor last week. I hate to even call them a visitor uh, because there are people, but Charlie and Laura and John David were back with us last week. Uh, Charlie did a wonderful job teaching, as always. I uh, sure miss them. Uh, obviously, I know you guys do too, but man, good seeing them. So Charlie did an awesome job, picked up on the Sermon on the Mount. If you've not been with us in a while, we've been in those three chapters. If I remember right, 111 verses, six times Jesus says, you have heard it said, but I tell you. And we even contended that not only just in those words, but in the whole premise of the Sermon on the Mount is really kind of the old way of doing things versus the heart of the matter, right? Like why we do what we do. And that's what Jesus was getting into. And so Jesus, uh, continuing in the Sermon on the Mount, Charlie took us to that wonderful principle that was in Scripture. Even better news is still available in Scripture. Three words. I want to just recap that real quick for him. Ask, seek, and knock. Right? You remember that last week? That if we ask, he'll answer. If we seek, he'll be found. If we knock, he'll open, right? And that's still available today, right? That if we ask, seek, and knock, he wants to be found. He wants to hear from us. And then Charlie ended with the golden rule. I want to read that again because it goes right into what we discussed today. And it is such an important verse. In fact, Jesus even gives us a clue as to how important it is. I'll talk about that in just a second. At the end of Matthew seven twelve, he says this. But here's what he says, the golden rule. Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Now I want you to listen to the power of that verse from the message. You know I love the message. Charlie teaches from the message sometimes or shares that. So does Brantley when he shares. I want you to listen to how the message says this. It's so simple. Here is a simple rule of thumb. God for your behavior. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you. All right, I want you to do that right now. What do you want people to do for you? When you sit there at night, if you're in, you know, wherever you're at, and you're laying down, you're, it's just you and your thoughts, you think, man, I really wish people would acknowledge me. I really wish people would value me. I really wish people would love me more. I really wish so-and-so would forgive me, right? Think of those things. It says, so here's the simple rule of thumb. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you, then grab the initiative and do it for them. Right? Grab the initiative and do it for them. If you want people to treat you that way, start by treating them that way, right? That's the golden rule. And here's how important it is. Listen to how the message says it, right? ESV, we just read. It said um, that if you, let's see, where are we at here? This is the law and the prophets, right? That's how it says it. But here's what it says in the message. It says, add up God's law and the prophets, and this is what you get. So if you want to know what the whole Old Testament was about, pointing us to Jesus, it's the simple fact, hey, treat others more important than yourselves. 
right? Don't just look out for your own interests because that's the way the world lives, right? If we're aliens here and we're wanting to stand out and be different, then we're supposed to act different. And that's what he says. Take that initiative. Grab the bull by the horns and you lead the way. Treat others how you would want to be treated. And I want to ask you a question. First off, let you know, we cannot do that on our own strength. It's not humanly possible, right? You can muster up all you want to. You've got to have the power of God living inside of you. But I want you just to look around. Beautiful crowd this morning. If just this amount of people in Birmingham, Alabama today said, you know what, I'm going to live in such a way where I look out for somebody else in front of myself and how I want to be treated, that's how I'm going to treat and love and serve others. Not only would a revival break out, but I want you to know this, and in a holy way, government, if you're listening, I'm not talking about revolting against you, but a holy revolution. One that I think would mimic, there's this beautiful thing in Acts, right? When the church is really just busting loose. People are being saved, people are coming to God, and there are these disciples, these uneducated, I love that he throws this in, uneducated, unschooled men, right? They weren't nobody famous. They were fishermen. They were tax collectors. They were, you know, the the zealots. They were all these outcasts. The ones that people even accused Jesus, he hangs with sinners, right? But when the church really busted loose and these people were living in such a radical way of treating others as more important than themselves, not letting people go without, Acts said that they were together and had everything in common. Nobody lacked anything. When those uneducated, unschooled men walked through, this is what was said about them. There goes the people that are turning the world upside down. I want to tell you, if everybody in this parking lot, as few of us even as there are compared to Birmingham City, if we left this place with the mindset, I'm going to love people more than I love myself, I'm going to serve others like I want to be served, it's a holy revolution waiting to happen. Jesus can do a lot with that kind of attitude. And so I want you to fill in the blank there. This blank is how I want to be treated. Just start treating people that way today. See what happens. I I want to tell you, I think people will return it in that same kind of kindness, right? And if not, guess what? God is keeping score. He's got you. He can take care of any of those things where we lack here in this place, all right? And so that's how we want to do it. That is the kind of stuff that starts a revival. And then Jesus adds the nugget at the end. Really, to the people there, the only Bible they had, the only word that they had, recorded word, was the Old Testament, the Law and the Prophets. And Jesus said this, if you want to know everything that's in there, start there. If you love others like you want to be loved, you serve others like you want to be served, that's the whole Law and the Prophets right there. You got it. If you can get that, you got it, right? In fact, I'm so convinced of that that I want to read a verse to you before we get to today's scripture in Philippians chapter 2. This is how I know that God wants us to be at a place where we treat others better than we treat ourselves because in case you don't know the story, God put on human flesh. He had always existed, has always been. Jesus, the Word, has always been, right? John 1. He puts on human flesh, is born into a human body through the birth of a virgin, conceived by the Holy Spirit. We know the story. And this is how He operated. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. 
Paul writes this, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Here it goes. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, taking the lowest seat at the table, right? Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Here's what he's meaning by that. If you know Christ, this already ought to be your attitude in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient, and he doesn't stop there, not just obedient, but to the point of death, and not just death, but even the most humiliating death, the death on a cross. Now why? God born in the flesh. I want to tell you, if I'm the author of this story, it doesn't end with my son walking up a hill, laying down his life on a cross, even though he would be raised three days later. I'm going to have my son be victorious, right? What in my mind would be victorious. But that's not the economy of God. And it's not the economy of God to be born in flesh and come here and just parade that of like, you guys serve me because I'm the best. I created and spoke you all into existence. The very Creator Himself armed Himself with a basin and towel and His main mission was to wash feet, to love others, to serve others, to go to those who, by the way, even a group of people as dangerously unclean as what the lepers were, right? This skin disease. And these people were not just physically unclean, right? Not just this nasty skin disease, but so unclean in the Jewish people's mind that by law, when they would walk in and by custom, they would walk in an area, they would literally, think about this, not just be avoided, not just skirted around, but had to yell out at the top of their lungs, unclean, unclean coming through. And what people would do is they would, oh man, there's a leper, and they would run off in the distance and get as far away because they didn't want anything to spread. And then you see Jesus, who by the law, if He touched one of them, would become unclean Himself. But in the great economy of God, what He would do is touch them instead of their uncleanliness going to Him, His holiness would go to them. That He would touch them, He would love them, and He would say, there's a better way, right? That, that, you, you know, that you're loved and you're seen and you're not forgotten. He would heal them. And not just of a physical healing, but imagine the spiritual healing that took place that day. Right? That somebody that had been avoided all their life, that had to shout. Can you imagine the next time they walk through a town where they're clean and they didn't have to shout a thing? Can you imagine the freedom and the beauty and the love of just being able to mingle in with other people and then have the testimony, He used to be. There's a lot of used to be's out here. I know some good people. Do you know what I tell folks about a lot of the folks I know out here? 
You may think, man, I bet you tell them we're an addict. I bet you tell them we're no good. I bet you tell them, can I tell you the God's honest truth? And you can ask my friends that know me. I tell them I know some of the coolest people in our city because you guys are a bunch of used to be this and God's changing your life and it's beautiful to see. So listen, follow in, follow along with what he says, right? And today's going to talk about that. I'm just reading two verses today. This is following the golden rule. And I want you to put yourself back on that hillside and remember this. We're listening to the words of Jesus. We've read them a bunch of times, but these people are hearing this amazing sermon. Can I just tell you where we're at so far in this sermon? If I'm sitting there, I'm not even listening to what Jesus is saying at this point. I know that sounds sacrilegious, but I'm probably so far back in the Beatitudes of scratching my head and saying, did he really say, blessed are those who mourn? Blessed are those who persecute? Like I wouldn't even be able to keep up because he's dropped these earth-shattering news of you've heard it said, but I tell you. But for those lucky enough to follow along at this point and those of us that get to read Later, I want you to listen to the first two verses. You've heard it, but I want you to listen today. I want you to let it sink in. I want you to to know because it it talks about everybody in this parking lot. It talks about everybody's travel route in this parking lot because you are going down one or two roads. There is no third road. It's one way or the other. Scripture is clear about it, and so we're going to talk about it today. Here's what Jesus says. Follows up the golden rule. Just told everybody, if you want to know the law and the prophets, you got all these words. It can be summed up in this. Treat others like you want to be treated. Then he says this. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. You pray with me this morning. Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us, and Father, we pray that you speak these words to our hearts, that we uh, apply them to our life, and that we just simply do business with you today. And so we just ask, do business with us how you see fit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to ask you a question. Pretty simple. Which road are you traveling and why? The Word tells us that we're on one or two roads. You may not acknowledge that. You may not admit it. You may not believe it. But I want to tell you from my belief in Scripture, you are on one or two roads. That's the only two roads that there are. So I ask you, which road are you traveling down? But the more important question, why are you traveling the road that you're traveling? I want to talk to you just real quick on that this morning, just in these two verses. Now, as many things are with God through Christ, there aren't many options to choose. Now, you may think there are. You may say, man, anything in this world could be my God and idol. I could worship that truck. I could worship a job. I could worship a relationship. I could worship the, well, if just this would happen, then everything would be great in my life. If I could just do that, then this would be perfect. And you're chasing that, and so it's a God or an idol. So there's a lot of options in that sense, but I want to take it down and dumb it down to two options. This is going to be super deep. I want you to listen. Don't don't get lost in this. All of those other options, they all lead the same road. There's either God's way or the other way. Now you could put all those options in that are not God's way and they're all going to lead down a wide road 
and the reward is going to be destruction. Or you can go His way, and it's a narrow road, and it's going to lead to life, and not only life eternal, but Scripture teaches us in John 10.10, I believe it says that it's not only life in the hereafter, it's life in the here, that it's life and life abundantly. And some of you may call foul on that and say, I don't have abundant life. I got Jesus, but I don't have an abundant life. Let me tell you, maybe not here on earth. Maybe not right now. But I can tell you this, it leads to life and life eternal, and He's keeping score. You ain't lost nothing. In fact, I believe a lot of the good news of the Scripture that we just kind of brush over, because we think of this idea of heaven, right? We think of, well, that's just the beautiful place we go and celebrate. And if we're honest, I I just want to be completely transparent with you. I'm not interested in a worship service that lasts for eternity. I'm just not. I I don't know about you, but when I used to hear that as a kid, it's like, I kind of don't want to go to that. Singing all night, like holy, 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 are you kidding me? Now I get it. I'm in the flesh, right? It's hard to imagine what I'm going to feel in the presence, like the song says, I can only imagine, right? That's all we can do. But I think it's even better than that. I think all the things that we've lost, get this, guys, I think you have a father that's keeping score. I think you're going to get it back. I think when he says that I'm seated on a throne and I'm in the process of making all things new, can I tell you what I think he's talking about? I think he's talking about Eden 2.0 and it's going to be perfect. We're going to have a relationship with him as if Adam and Eve did, walking with him in the cool of the garden, having a chat with God. I don't understand how all that works, but I think that's what he's doing. And get this, how the old serpent came in and offered temptation and there was this ability to sin. He's going to be chained up. There is no more of that. You won't even be tempted to sin. Can you imagine that? Not just that you won't sin, but that temptation that maybe some of you have of saying, man, I'm going to shoot up today. Man, I'm just going to get obliterated today so I don't have to think about anything. Those temptations will be gone. It won't even be there. Perfect harmony with Him and with others and the church. And it's going to be beautiful. But only one road leads there it's the narrow way you'll hear that over and over today it's deep stuff but it's true you're either with God or you're against him and let me tell you can I can I be just completely real everybody look this way I know some dang good people that are against God I mean would give you the shirt off their back type people I mean like if you're without would give you their last meal can I tell you though without Jesus they're on the wide road that's paved and leading to destruction. Because it's not about what you do. That's the beauty of the gospel. You could do all day long. You could say from this moment on, I'm not going to cuss, I'm not going to drink, I'm not going to do all this stuff that we paint as sin, and I'm, I'm going to do all good things. Without Christ, it's on a wide road that leads to destruction. Now, you may find that troubling. I find it beautiful because on the flip side, that means I can't mess it up if I know it. I'm on the narrow road no matter how bad. Shannon, God knows. I tried, right? That's going to be, my friends ask, what do you want your legacy to be? And I said it kind of jokingly, but I want you to know this is the God's honest truth. I want you, when you come look at me in that box, and I will be in a box, and if you don't, I've asked Jamie to put me in a cardboard box and just bury me in the yard. Don't even spend the money because I ain't there. 
But when you look at me and whatever they put me in, and I hope that's a hundred years from now. I got my ticket, but I ain't ready. But when you walk up, I do want you to be able to say, you know what, he tried. He really did. He tried to be, you know, like good for people. He tried to love people. Do you screw it up? Every stinking day. Every day I do. But I'm trying. But the good thing about it is my trying's got nothing to do with it. I take him at his word, the most beautiful words, I think, in all of Scripture. It is finished. means I got nothing left to add. I can't. I could lay down my very best, and Scripture says that any kind of righteousness I drum up on my own is like filthy rags. That's the best I got to offer. But I cannot express to you enough the beauty of the gospel and the economy of the kingdom is this. Is my righteousness in that point that would be filthy rags on my own? I lay it down at Jesus' feet and somehow to Him it looks beautiful. God looks at it and says it's covered in Christ. You are just like the righteousness in my Son. Well, He looks at me like, I'm not that. But in His eyes I am. That's the good news. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so you're either with God or you're against Him. A few weeks ago, we even read this in the Sermon on the Mount. I'll remind you of this. Matthew 6, 24, he was talking about money. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other. He will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And I'll add this, or anything else. It's either with him, Or it's against Him. In fact, the message says it this way. You cannot worship two gods at once. Loving one God, you'll end up hating the other. Adoration of one feeds contempt for the other. You cannot worship God and money both. Just like you cannot serve two masters, you cannot travel this life in two directions. You have to choose. So are you going the narrow, more difficult way? Are you going to take the wide and easy path? How you live and how you operate speaks to which direction you are traveling. So here's what Jesus tells us. He says, enter the narrow gate, and here's the why. That's His way. That's the way He's called us to, right? And I want you to know, make no mistakes, when He says that few will travel it, it's not that it's not available to all, it's just few will choose to do it. Because it's so dang easy to go your own way. It is so easy to just say, man, that road's wide. It's, it's easy, right? But I mean, honestly, at the end of your life, if you've had it easy here, let's just say you're one of the lucky few that lives to be 100 years old. And you've had an easy 100 years, but eternity is going to be filled with destruction. Was it worth that wide and easy travel path? Or vice versa. What if that hundred years you've got a narrow road that's full of ups and downs and trouble and turmoil and all of these things, but at the end of it is this glorious eternal reward. Life. Life abundantly. I don't know about you, but I'm just weighing the two out. I can tell you which way sounds best to me. You have to decide because that is a direction you are traveling. You are either right now As you leave this place, you are on the narrow road or you're on the wide road. It is your choice. That's the beauty of love. That's the beauty of free will. He's not gonna, he's powerful enough to make us choose that way, but there's free will. There's a choice. He wants you to love him. I mean, think about it, parents. Do you want your kid 
Sometimes we do, if we're honest. Do we want them to serve us out of fear or whatever or threats or all that? Yeah, that's great for a moment. But we really want to train them up in a way where they say, you know what, I want to honor my mom and dad. I want to do this because of who they are to me. That's the more loving relationship, not by threat. He can make us be a robot. He can, and a lot of our brothers and sisters feel that way, and God bless them. I don't know how you wrap your mind around it. But to me, the beauty and the love is free will that He gives us a choice. Otherwise, just throw this out there, if it was all predestined, that's a big buzzword, or predetermined, then why would Jesus act like a crazy person and tell us that we got a choice either between a narrow road or a wide road? There's choice. At least He's given us the option, right? That He says there's two ways. So I want to tell you this though. You say, well, but Keith, you're telling me that if I take the narrow way, it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. There's going to be troubles and all these things. I'm so glad you asked that. Thank you. John 16.33 says this, Jesus speaking, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. Can I just ask the, the crowd this question this morning? Have you ever been in just a turmoil situation, but you're a believer and God's given you that peace beyond all understanding? Anybody ever had that? That's a testimony, right? That He gives you that peace that's just so unexplainable. And here's why we need it. The narrow road, you will have trouble. I want everybody to look at me. Will. Not might. Not could. Not maybe. You will have trouble. Here's how I know. Jesus, in His exact quote, says this. In this world, you will have tribulation. You will have trouble. Guys, mark it down. If you follow Christ, this world sometimes will be more difficult to operate than if you don't. It's the narrow way. But here's what He says. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And guess what? The one who's overcome the world walks with you. It may be a narrow road, but you're not going alone. You're guided by the Holy Spirit, created by a Father that loves you, and a Savior uh, as His Son that died for you. And so, guaranteed, you'll have trouble. It is a broken world, and this isn't our home. Can I piggyback just one second and tell you one of my absolute, I mean absolute, Number one pet peeves when it comes to God. Can I tell you? I'll talk to somebody it'll be a conversation like this. Nobody likes to think about this, but God forbid a small child has cancer. Right? I mean, innocent child. And somebody will inevitably say these words to me, and it infuriates my soul. It infuriates my being. And they'll say this, well, that was just God's will. No, it wasn't. No, it was not. Don't think that God wills or wishes that. Is it under His sovereign control and I can't understand that? Absolutely. You want to know God's will? Go to the very first page of your Bible. It was Eden. It was perfection. It was a whole and healed world that was in just perfect unison relationship with Him. It was all about union with the Father. It was taking the cool afternoon walks in the garden. Perfection. No sin, but free will 
and our choices in a broken world is what causes things like cancer, death. It was never supposed to be. We chose that route. We chose the wide road. He offered the narrow road and said, you can do anything, just don't. In our brains, we said, well, that kind of sounds nice. I'll go that way. We've been going our own way since the beginning of time. And unfortunately, we will until the end of time. But there's grace. He can take us off that wide road that we're all by birth. That's the road we're traveling on. When that sweet little bundle of joy is placed in a car seat for the first time and leaving the hospital, they are on the wide path that leads to destruction because all, even that precious little baby, have sinned by our human nature, fallen short of the glory of God, and one day that baby's going to have to grow up and realize they're on this wide road that leads to destruction and have a moment where they say, I'm turning from myself and my sin, I'm 180 in this thing, and I'm going to go the narrow route the rest of my life. Some of you have never made that choice, today's the day. Quit walking down the road. It's, it's heading towards destruction. If you want salvation, if you want a safety net, by God, you got an eternal one. He's thrown it out there. And this is the beautiful part. You say, well, God, if that's the case, and this road leads to destruction, and that road's freedom, what do I got to do? It, this is going to blow your mind. Turn around. Just turn around. Say, I'm, I'm done with that, and I'm going towards a Savior. I need a Savior then you're in. You're on the narrow road for life. Is that not good news this morning? That we take Him at His Word and say it is finished and that means when we go down that narrow road that He has got us. And so we, we get in this and uh, again, you will have trouble. That's not God's will. It's under His authority. But He wills for perfect union with Him. He wants us to get back to the garden. And that's where it's heading one day. But in the meantime... We're on this narrow road and He walks with us. Any other road, any other device, any other God, any other idol is not the narrow way. It is the one that is wide, it is easy, and it leads to one destination alone and that is destruction. This path is for those that refuse to bend the knee here on earth. But make no mistake, one day you will bow the knee. I pray that you choose to do that on your own. Start walking that narrow road today. Can I close with one thought just real quick? It used to really bother me that the road was narrow. I mean, he literally says that few will choose this. And I, I kind of would get into that mindset. It's like, does that mean that nobody has, everybody doesn't have a chance? Does that mean that, you know, you've got this set number? Does that mean all these things? And can I tell you this? If there's a narrow road, I just want you to know, think of everybody you know that's ever been born, right, that's lived and walked this earth, even the ones that you don't, every human that's ever been alive. I want you to picture just a long line of people. I mean, from here to California, right? Around the globe, a long line of people. If it's a narrow road, listen, we might have to go single file, but there's room for everybody, right? We just got to walk together. We just got to take that single file approach. The road that it's wide, you got a bunch of people going in, 
everybody can make it on the narrow road. It's not he's saying, he's just saying, not many people are going to choose this. It's more difficult. Right? I mean, I want you to picture even just the, the simplicity. If we got any hikers out here, anybody that's ever hiked or done any of that kind of stuff, if you're looking at a trail and one is this narrow road and it's up and it's zigzag and it's thorns and all this stuff, or this is huge path that's just flat and smooth sailing. Some of you are psychopaths and would say, I'm going to take the hard route. Most people, I'm taking that flat route. I'll catch you all there on the other side. That's, that's with this. Jesus says it's a narrow way. Everybody's invited, but few's going to choose it. Guys, don't let that be said here. That's why we do what we do. That's why we gather together every week is to let every man, woman, boy, and girl know that there is room for you in the narrow way. Everybody's on the wide road heading to destruction until they turn and head down the other way. I pray that you have turned. If not, man, no time like the present right now. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you. And I pray that everyone in the sound of my voice this morning has made the decision to leave behind the easy road that leads to destruction, that we take the narrow way. And it's not about a road, it's about our God. Is our God going to be stuff or our own way or the next opportunity or relationship or addiction or any of these things that could be our God or idol? Or will we make the 180, turn and go the narrow way where we say, I am in need of a Savior. Nothing good in me except Christ. And so, Father, I pray that everybody's turned that way. If not, I pray they do today. Give us the uh, grace as we walk through it. And we just pray that you continue to walk with us. And thank you for being a God that says straight up, hey, you're going to have troubles. But take heart. I've overcome those troubles and I'm going to be with you. I won't forsake you. I won't leave you. And so even on the narrow path, when it gets tough, when it gets dicey, when we get scared, when we get uh, anxious, fearful, lose our way, uh, Jesus, you're there with us. And so we thank you for that. We need it, and we need you. And we pray and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.